0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor JD Farah. In other words, Jesus, wow,
1: you came to Earth, became a man, died on the cross willingly for the sins of mankind. Well, thank you, but no need. Wow, you make what Jesus did mean nothing. That's blasphemous, isn't it? To even suggest it, to utter those words that. The death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ was in vain?
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. Our culture is so motivated by doing and achieving, but when it comes to our salvation, the doing and achieving has already been done and accomplished by Jesus. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that when we try and earn our salvation, we're telling Jesus we don't need him or what he's done for us. Abide in Jesus and rest in his saving grace. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Galatians chapter 4 in our text will be verses 15 through 31. We'll pick it up where we left off last week. Beginning in verse 15, the Apostle Paul is really um, showing us a side to himself in this letter to the churches in the area known at the time as Galatia he's really, I think, hurting. (laughs) And he's talking to them about how he once really had a good relationship with them, but he does not any longer have that relationship with them. So he says, verse 15, Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people, speaking of the Judaizers, are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you, My dear children, verse 19, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, speaks to the love that he had for them. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, Are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively, the women represents two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai, speaking of the law, and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, verse 25, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But, verse 26, The Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, you who have never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband." Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. Boy, is that true. (laughs) Just go to Israel. But what does scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, verse 31, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Today's teaching is going to be part two of a series I've titled, Why I Keep Failing. As we just read and are now about to see, Paul is once again finding himself in this unenviable position of having to rebuke and correct these Galatian churches, and make no mistake about it, he takes no delight or pleasure in doing this. As we just read, he even says as much, oh, how I wish I didn't have to take this parental tone with you. But I have to correct you. There has to be a sanctified chastising here because you guys are wrong as wrong can be. And it grieves my heart so, having fathered you in the faith, he likens himself as to a spiritual father, and rightfully so. But what's interesting in the text that we just read is that he also likens himself unto a spiritual mother, travailing in labor. He says, once again, I feel like I have to go back into the labor room, go through all the labor pains again until Christ be formed in you. You really come away with this impression that Paul is just really grieved for and even hurt by these Galatians and what they were doing and what was happening in these churches. Well, what was happening? (laughs) Well, these churches were riddled with failure and defeat. They had to be. They were in this miserable condition because they had been deceived by these Judaizers, these legalists, if you will, who had somehow been met with a measure of success in duping them, deceiving them into going back to the law. And Paul's like, what are you thinking? Do you realize what you're doing? Why would you want to go back to the slavery and bondage in the law? Do you realize what the law requires? Why would you want to unnecessarily subject yourself to the law that you've been freed from? Last week we used the example of an inmate who had served their time and was now free choosing to go back into that prison cell. That's what they were doing. That's what it would be like, as absurd as that sounds. That's what they were doing. This was not only a problem, I'm going to say this was a deadly and dangerous problem. And I don't think it's possible to overstate the seriousness of legalism. I call it, (laughs) and you'll forgive me, the insidious ugliness of legalism. The insidious ugliness of legalism. Why? Because what makes Legalism so insidious, so ugly, so apart from all that we know to be true about the person of Jesus Christ and the finished work of Jesus Christ is that it shifts our focus away from Jesus. It takes our focus instead of being on what God did for us, now onto being what I do for God instead. And that is a bottomless pit. It is a deadly danger, if I can say it that way. What it does is it enslaves us and, if you will, sentences us to utter and total and complete failure. Why? Because it is impossible The law is impossible to keep and it is impossible to merit the blessing of God. There's no way. The law was never given for us to keep. You realize that, right? The Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, as Paul refers to and illustrates with Hagar and with Sarah, Ishmael and Isaac. The law, the Ten Commandments, were never given to us for us to keep. Are you kidding me? Who could possibly keep them? We've broken every single one of them. They were only given to show us our true condition before a perfect and righteous and holy God. The law was given to show us us and to show us our need for the Savior. Because we've all transgressed the law. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when I come to that realization, the law becomes like this schoolmaster, which Paul also referred to and used the illustration of. It takes me by the hand from that law, which condemns me, rightfully so, and it takes me to the Savior for whom Paul said in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation, no guilt, I have been set free. I have been set free from the condemnation under that law. Why and how? Because Jesus became sin for me, died for me, and now because the Son has set me free, I am free indeed. I am no longer a slave. I am no longer bound by the law. Well, does that mean that the law is of no use? Absolutely not. Not one jot, not one tittle. The law has been fulfilled. It's still in place. It's served its purpose. I liken it to a sign in town that points you to Kaneohe and says 13 miles to your destination. So that's what the sign is there for, to show me where my destination is. So now I reach my destination in Kaneohe Is the sign of no use? No, it served its purpose. It's still there. Not one jot, not one tittle has passed from that sign. It has been fulfilled. And that's what Jesus did with the law. He fulfilled the law. See, under grace, it's not what I do for God. It's what God has already done for me and instead of me that determines his blessing on me. And that's what Paul is trying to communicate to these Galatian Christians. But the problem with these Galatian Christians was that going back under the law was the very thing that was leading to their constant failure. Listen, I don't care who you are or who you think you are, (laughs) but there's nothing you can do or I can do, no matter how hard we try, to ever succeed in meriting God's favor, in deserving God's blessing. And this is why Paul is trying to bring them back to their senses. He's explaining to them what I like to call the why behind the what of their failure. And we saw the first why last week in verses 1 through 5, and It's that of forfeiting freedom. And this is deliberate. See, by going back under the law, you're in effect deliberately choosing to forfeit the freedom that you've been given. And getting back to this insidiousness of legalism, when you think about it, it is a slap in the face of the Savior of the world. Because listen to what it insinuates. It insinuates that we somehow, apart from Christ, can do that which Christ came to do for us. In other words, Jesus, wow, you came to earth, became a man, died on the cross willingly for the sins of mankind. Well, thank you, but no need you make what Jesus did mean nothing. That's blasphemous, isn't it? To even suggest it, to utter those words that the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ was in vain? How is that even possible to enter one's mind? Because what you're saying is, I don't need you, Jesus, I can do it myself. And you forfeit that freedom that is yours under grace in so doing. Now, when you do that, here's what happens. And here's what was happening to these Galatian Christians. They were subjecting themselves to the laws of cause and effect. Because now they're outside of grace. See, under grace, within grace, and because of grace... God no longer deals with us on the basis of what we really deserve. That's God's grace. We're not under the law, which we would deserve everything under the law. But under grace, God deals with us in an entirely different matter. In other words, the good we do cannot justify us, nor can the bad we do condemn us when we're under grace if we choose to remove ourselves out from underneath the grace of God and subject ourselves to the law all bets are off for lack of a better way of saying it the second reason we looked at last week in verses 6 through 14 is that of forgetting that he's my loving Heavenly Father and for those of you who were here last week we went into great detail On this, this is huge. This changes everything. What Paul is saying here is that if I see God as a taskmaster instead of a loving heavenly father, well, then I don't stand a chance. And under the law, that's how I have to see him. He can never be pleased. I can never please Him. I can never obey Him perfectly. I will always fall short. I will always fail. But now you move that aside and take that off the table, and instead you see Him as a Father in Heaven who loves you so much, and you're the heir as the Son? Who. Oh, do you know what that means? I was telling my two sons, you know, you're going to be an heir. They looked, looked around and said, to what? <laughs> anyway, so enough of my problems. Let's, um, <laughs> you're my son. I'm your father. <laughs> and they're looking at me like, wow, dad, get some sleep. See, we now have this intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father, so much so that we can call Him, and I know this jams people's gears, and we talked about this again last week, but we can call Him Daddy. <laughs> that alone changes the complexion of the relationship significantly. Daddy. Baba in Arabic. Chinese too. Abba. In the Hebrew and the Aramaic. It's a, it's an intimate calling out and crying out to your daddy in heaven. And please, for those of you, and I, my heart goes out to you, who had a horrible relationship with your earthly father. Please don't look at your heavenly father through the lens of your earthly father. In fact, if anything, it's because of that relationship that you didn't have with your earthly father that you can have that with your heavenly father. He's your daddy in heaven, and you can talk to him that way. This is the unconditional agape love from my father, and it's predicated upon that which Jesus did in my stead, and it makes me acceptable no matter what. And there's nothing I can do to make him love me less or more. And aren't you glad, by the way? Sometimes, I mean, rough week, kind of messed up. I'm not talking about... I'm really careful when I say things like that because if I'm looking in one particular direction, someone's going, he knows. I'm not doing that. Let me close my eyes. You know, you had a rough week last week. And you think, man, I better keep my distance... God's God's not too happy with me right now. No. God doesn't deal with you on that basis. He loves you. He loves you so much. Well, this brings us to our text today in verses 15 through 20. And a third reason for constantly failing and falling. And this is a biggie. It's that I reject those who tell me the truth. This is what basically, and this is a difficult uh, portion of Scripture here in God's Word, and maybe not for the reasons that one might think. It's, it's difficult for me, personally, because Paul has been hurt by the Galatians. Now, I'm not soliciting sympathy <laughs> or pity For Paul. Paul could hold his own, right? Paul had thick skin, but he loved them so much. And isn't it true that when you love someone so much, they can hurt you? (laughs) I think about a parent with a child. You love your children so much and they're wayward and man, they just, they hurt you. They just, they bring so much. Well, why? Because you love them so much. And this is the heart of the apostle Paul. He's basically reminding them, you know, there was a time not too long ago when you would have done anything for me. You would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me, which leads many to believe that he had a problem with his eyes. Some even think that was his thorn in the flesh, that God wouldn't remove after he prayed and asked God, and God just said, no, I'm going to leave it there because it keeps you humbly dependent upon me. And by the way, that might be a word for somebody here today too. You've prayed and you're going through something, you've been going through something for an elongated period of time and you can't understand for the life of you why it is that God doesn't just take it out and take you out of it and take it out of you, perhaps better said. And oftentimes I know in my own life with the trials that I go through that God uses those trials to keep me humbly dependent upon him, and he needs to, and by the way, I want him to. I think of it this way. If I knew what God knew, I would want God to answer the prayers that I pray the way God answers the prayers that I pray. I don't want him answering my prayers the way I want him to answer my prayers, because I don't know the end from the beginning like he does. Let me try that again. That was a really complicated way to say something very simple and profound, wasn't it? Again, it's a gift. (laughs) This is why I have notes. This is why I shouldn't go off the notes. Let me put it this way. Aren't you glad that God didn't answer some of the prayers you prayed?
0: Galatians opens our eyes to the potential and sadly the reality of false teachers. They're clever, there's no doubt about it. They can work their way into any area, saying just what needs to be said to get by, and then leaving their trail of deception for us to follow. How do we avoid these false teachers? By knowing God's word and staying firmly rooted in the love and truth he teaches us. We're so glad you joined us today on In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to meet you in person. We have an open invitation to join us for our weekly services here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We gather each Sunday and Thursday. You'll find more information at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. Would you like to hear more teachings from Pastor JD? You can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com but we also have more convenient ways to keep up to date with these messages did you know you can take in spirit and truth on the go by downloading our mobile app in our fast-paced world it's easy to let the time we'd spend in the Bible slip into the back of the line of things to get done in a day when you download our mobile app however you'll have verse-by-verse studies in the Bible available right at your fingertips to listen to whenever and wherever you go You'll find a link to the app at inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today's message. Join us next time to keep searching the scriptures for God's goodness in Galatians, right here on In Spirit and Truth.
2: Keeping me right with the me true. To